So uh, it had kind of a crazy week and a crazy weekend, and uh, I was excited that Ruth's going to share today about on the issue of being grateful. I don't know if you guys get a chance to be grateful much. Anybody get a chance to be grateful? Yes, good for you. Grateful tables over here. If you guys are lacking gratefulness, just move over there. They'll give you some of theirs. Uh, it's an awesome thing to be grateful. I thought it was funny when I studied the word. It actually means full of grace, right? Full of grace. And um, we're called to, to do that in Jesus' name. I had an awesome experience last night. Um, I got to drive, how what, six, five hours round trip back and forth to Peoria. I don't know if you guys remember Tim Osborne. Tim Osborne's like the lanky blonde dude who stood up here and asked you guys to support him as he went to uh, do campus outreach, Summer Mountain Project. You guys remember him? You can nod your heads if you remember Tim at all. Nobody. He wears his hat crooked. He dances funny. I saw that last night. I didn't see him dance before last night. Okay. But, uh, well, Tim got married to Deanna last night. It was awesome. And one of the things that happens when you're at a wedding and, well, two, a couple things happened, actually. It's kind of funny. But one thing that happened is that people get a microphone, and they hold up their glass, you know, and what do they say? Cheers. Yeah. Huzzah. That's what they say. They don't say huzzah. That's what they say with the magical dinner. They say huzzah. And they did this funny thing where, um, I don't know if you've been to the wedding that does this, but they would do this. Like, I can't really do it. Let me see if I can get this to ring out. And then the couple would have to kiss, which was odd, and they kept doing it all night. They thought it was so funny. This couple have to kiss every time they ring the bell. None of you are kissing. This is not working at all here. <laughs> the married folks are like, no, seriously, we come to church to not kiss. All right. Um, well, Greenville students, stop making out. Okay. All right. Uh, but yeah, they hold, and you hold up, and now that's funny because you can't quite do it, you know, but, and then you take your glasses, and it was awkward because we had coffee drinkers, and we had some champagne drinkers, we had some tea drinkers, and, and all of our cups didn't match, but when you clank them together, it was like this nice moment, you know, and you try to reach everyone at the table, and you wouldn't quite make it there, but um, I'm going to be fair, and I'm going to see, put a little water, so then you'd have that, and be more like that, and you'd, some of you drank more than others, and you would enjoy your toast, uh, and it was a way we could celebrate right? What God is doing. It was the way that last night at this wedding we could celebrate what God is doing in Tim and Deanna's life. And we were like, cheers! And everyone would hold up their drinks and they would have a drink, you know, and then someone else would make a toast. You'd hold up your drink and you'd have a drink and then they would tap the glass and they would kiss and it was fantastic. <laughs> you should go to a wedding soon if you haven't been to one in a while. <laughs> All right. Um, and so today I want to talk about that idea of being thankful, like that we're called to be thankful. And I wanted to share with you first from Ephesians, and it's chapter 5 of Ephesians. You can turn it if you want. Um, it's verses 18 through 20. It's a few verses. You've, you've probably heard it before, but I, I wanted to share it with you this morning, right? Um, and this is what we've been doing today, by the way. It says, don't get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery, right? There's a correction. Instead, instead of being drunk on wine, which some people get drunk on wine, they have a good time. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. That's interesting that it's an op opportunity to be filled with God's presence instead. And this is 19. Speak to one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. We did that this morning. Sing and make music in your heart to the Lord. I hope we did that this morning as well. And then here it is. And always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Always giving thanks thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of Jesus Christ. Um, it's funny because 
this idea of, of, of having a celebration is awesome, and I hope that, I think that many people in that room, they raised their glasses, they were thanking God, thanking God for marriage, thanking God for love, thanking God for Tim and, and Deanna, thanking God for people at the table they were clinking glasses with, whatever it was, we were giving God praise. I, I don't know how it is for you, and I don't know if, if you are like me or not, but I have a tendency to give God thanks when things are going great. Do you guys do that? When things are, you're like, man, God, thank you for this awesome day. I, I know some of you got this morning, and you went out the front door, and you're like, whew, thank you that it's so brisk this morning. And I know some of you walked across the parking lot, and you hit that patch of ice, and you slipped, and you go, oh, thank you for that patch of ice today, because that's good, because it's fun to slip around, isn't it? No? You're all too old. It's always fun to slip around. If you don't believe me, watch a four-year-old. They will find the ice and slide around on it. It's awesome. We, we give God praise and thanks when things are good. We give him praise and glory when things are good. If you don't think that this is true, I will share another verse of scripture with you. It's from the book of Romans, and it says this. Um, we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him or are called according to his purpose, that he works for good in our lives. And so if you haven't been thanking God for the good things in your life, I would encourage you to start doing that, Right? Give God thanks for the good stuff you have. And, and some of you might go, well, you know, it's, it's hard for me to find the good things. But you have them. Like, you're, you're here today. You have them. Maybe you had a car that got you here. You had clothes to wear, which makes it way less awkward to be in church with you. Thank God for your clothes. Right? Thank God for my clothes. <laughs> yes. You know what I'm saying? You give God thanks for something in your life that's good. It says that God works... What does it say? We know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. We give God thanks for the good things in our lives. But I want to tell you that we don't just give God thanks in the good things in our lives, the good times of our lives. We give God thanks in other times of our lives as well. As a matter of fact, and I think, I don't know if I have this one in here. Let's see. Yeah. First Thessalonians. I'm going to turn there, but you don't have to. Um, 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18. I'm going to read a few. I think I only have up, uh, yeah, yeah, I think I have it up there. There it is. It says, be joyful always. I've got to find it in my Bible. One second. Okay. Be joyful always. Pray continually. Give thanks to God in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. This is what God wants for you as a follower of Jesus, to give thanks in all things. So it's not just the good things, but it's all things. I, I want to put in a plug here this morning for something we're doing tonight, and it's at the uh, UCC Church in Grant Fork, which some of you have asked the question. You've said, now, wait a minute. Is this in Highland or Grant Fork? Yes. That's the answer. Because Grand Fork has a Highland address, which is weird, but it is. So we're going to go and we're going to join some folks from UCC tonight at 6 o'clock, and we're going to all give thanks for everything to God. We're going to do that together. I would encourage you to come out and do that with us. If you haven't considered it yet, consider it. It's going to be different. It's going to be nothing like we would do on a Sunday morning as we give thanks to God, but it's going to be awesome. A completely different gathering of God's people. It's the it's the community of faith getting together and giving God thanks this week. I hope you'll consider joining us at 6 o'clock out there. So we're called to uh, joyful always, pray continually, and give thanks to God in all circumstances. So we now know that this is God's will for us in Jesus Christ. So if so far you're with me, and you have good things in your life, and you've not been thanking God for them, this is what God's will for you is that you give God thanks for that. But it even goes further here because he says, give God thanks in all circumstances. 
So all of a sudden, now we begin to move the ropes out in our life to where it's not just that we're thankful for the good times, the good stuff, the, the stuff that's almost easier to be thankful for, but we're thankful for everything, for every situation, for every circumstance, for all the conditions we find ourselves in in life. We give God thanks and praise. I believe the Apostle Paul said something to the effect of he's learned to be satisfied in all circumstances, whether with much or with little. He was satisfied. That's another way of saying I'm thankful I'm thankful for what God has done for me. We give thanks to God in all circumstances. So, so far, we've, we've talked about the idea that um, we give God thanks at good times, like weddings, when we have the toast, maybe a New Year's Eve celebration or whatever it is. You get together with your friends in your backyard, and you have a great time, and you go, God, thanks for this awesome time, my friends. We learn to give God thanks in, in all times, but then I want to share a verse of scripture with you from the Gospel of John. This is Jesus' teaching, and he, he gives this great, and I know some of you have been in a family group, and you've been studying the Gospel of John, and maybe you didn't make it this far, but Jesus gives this great prayer for the people of God, right, where he prays for what God is doing in this world. This is toward the end of the Gospel of John, but I want to share with you what he says. He says, I have told you all of these things so that you, that in me, you may have peace. But look at this next thing he says. In this world, you will have trouble. You will have trouble. But take heart, I've overcome the world. So Jesus here, after giving this great teaching, you look up the surrounding text in John 16, he has this awesome magnanimous view of what God is doing in the world. He said, I told you all these things because you're going to have problems. You're going to have trouble in this life. But take heart, I have overcome the world. Now you see, many of us would be satisfied to toast a glass and hold it and think it with somebody and have a sip of wine or water, whatever you drink, coffee. That's what I was drinking last night. By the way, I had way too much coffee last night. I was like, you know, I'm all like driving. The lights were blurry. It was crazy. But um, we are glad to do that kind of a toast or that kind of a drink. But the question is, Jesus' teaching says that into life, some trouble is going to come our way. That it's not always going to be a cup that you want to drink from. And that sometimes... It's going to be less pleasant, not as good, not as pure. And the question is, will you and I still thank God when it's not? I don't know what we wanted. And we go, well, Lord, you said you're going to give us good things, and I'll be happy with those, but I have this, and I don't know that I want to drink it. He says, you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. Our main text today is going to come from the, God, the book of Acts, because I believe that we are called to give God thanks in all circumstances that includes when things are not going according to plan. We're going to start in Acts 16. There's a fairly large set, uh, piece of scripture here. We're going to kind of jump around a bit, I think. But uh, 
We'll dig in and see what God has. This is the way the, the story starts. It says, Crowds gathered also from the towns around Jerusalem, bringing their sick and tormented, evil, uh, those tormented with evil spirits, and all of them were healed. So I want you to see that as this story begins, God is doing really good stuff amongst his people. And they're toasting and they're huzzahing and they're thanking God, I'm sure, for the goodness of what he has brought. Crowds gathered and they were being healed, all of them. It was good. Then the high priest in 17 and all his associates who were members of the party of the Sadducees were filled with jealousy and they arrested the apostles and they put them in the public jail. But during the night, an angel of the Lord opened the doors of the jail and brought them out. I'm sure they felt this was good too, right? Good stuff. And he says, go stand in the temple courts and tell the people the full message of this new life. At daybreak, they entered the temple courts as they had been told, and they began to teach the people. So get the story here. The followers of Jesus have been proclaiming his word, and they have been arrested and jailed for it. And then the angel lets them out of jail and says, go preach the word. And they continue to preach the word. This makes sense. It's all good. And I'm sure they were giving God thanks and praise for the work he was doing among them. Read with me. When the high priest and his associates arrived, they called together the Sanhedrin, that's the ruling councils, the full assembly of the elders of Israel, and they sent to the jail for the apostles. They said, go get those people who are in prison, bring them before us. But on arriving at the jail, the officers did not find them there, so they went back and they reported, we found the jail securely locked, the guards still standing at the doors, but when we opened them, no one was inside. On hearing this report, the captain of the temple guard and the chief priests were puzzled, wondering what would come of this. Then someone said, look, the men you put in jail are now standing in the temple courts teaching all the people. And at that, the captain went with his officers and brought the apostles. They did not use force because they feared that the people would stone them. Having brought the apostles, they made them appear before the Sanhedrin to be questioned by the high priests. We gave you strict orders not to teach in his name, they said. Yet you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching and you're determined to make us guilty of this man's blood. That would be Jesus, by the way. Peter and the other apostles replied, we must obey God instead of obeying men. The God of our fathers has raised Jesus from the dead whom you killed by hanging him on a tree. God exalted him in his own right hand as prince and savior that he might give repentance and forgiveness of sins to Israel. We are witnesses to these things, and so is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to those who obey him. And when they heard this, they were furious, and they wanted to put him to death. So the apostles are now back before their accusers, and they're really at the risk of their life, and they're saying, what else can we do but tell the truth of who God is? What else can we do but give him praise? Well, there was a Pharisee named Gamil, a teacher of the law who was honored by all the people, and he stood up in the Sanhedrin and he ordered the men be put outside where I could talk. Then he addressed the assembly. Men of Israel, consider carefully what you're intending to do with these men. Some time ago, Thaddeus appeared, claiming to be somebody. But about 400 men rallied around him. He was killed, and his followers were dispersed, and it came to nothing. And after him, Judas the Galilean appeared in the days of the census and led a band of people into revolt. But he too was killed, and all his followers were scattered. Therefore, 
In the present case, I advise you, leave these men alone. Let them go. Because if their purpose or activity is of human origin, it will certainly fail. But if it's from God, you will not be able to stop these men. You will only find yourselves fighting against God. That's a a lot of text there, but here's the image. They see Jesus as this false teacher. He was someone who was stirring up trouble. And so when these guys are before him, they're not saying these guys are going to be killed. They're saying their leader's already been killed. So let's don't create more trouble by killing these guys amongst the Jewish people. Let's let it just kind of pan out. Let's see what happens with this. The truth is, is that everyone expected that if you would kill Jesus, his people would disperse. If you would stop Jesus, you would stop the church, his people. But instead, and you hear it here over and over in the book of Acts, they get more and more bold in proclaiming what God has done. They get more and more passionate about claiming Christ for their own. They they would not be stopped in this proclamation and they were continually praising him and giving him thanks in public and in private. I even think it says going from house to house, they celebrated what God had done. So he says, don't kill them. Let's see what this is all about. Well, his speech persuaded the men. So this sounds like good news again. You know, here you got the apostles and they're going to get off again. You know, they've been in jail. The angels let them free. They get called back in. This guy persuades the council and they're free again. And they're going to get out. They're not going to be killed. That's, that sounds like good news, right? The next sentence says this. They then called the apostles in, and they had them flogged. Then they ordered them not to speak in the name of Jesus, and they let them go. Now, I don't know how familiar you guys are with flogging. Um, I, did, I was a kid didn't like to get spanked whenever I was little. But this was like a public beating. I mean, to not just, I mean, the physical pain would be enough, but the humiliation, the demarcation, the, the fact that you would have to, um, you know, experience this, this uh, overt, you know, demonstration of the state's power over you, the, the, the uh, ruling council's power, says that they were flogged in front of these men who accused them. They were beaten. I, I can't imagine, really, something that would be equivalent to that today. I mean, it's one thing to be accused. It's one thing to be paraded around, but to be beaten in public, to be beaten before leaders, to have that kind of damage inflicted on you, that's, it's excruciatingly painful, but it's humiliating, it's frustrating. You would not want it. You would not choose it. But this is what happened. So they, they now are beaten because they believed in Jesus and they ordered them not to speak and let him go. I want you to see what the apostles do in 41. The apostles then left the Sanhedrin rejoicing because they had been counted worthy of suffering disgrace for the name. Like, I don't know if that's the way we work, that we have a really hard thing or we go through something that's really tough and we rejoice in it as followers of Jesus. They were rejoicing because they had been counted worthy of suffering. Look at what the word says. Suffering what? Disgrace. Humiliation. Punishment. 
and the apostles celebrated all the more. That, that doesn't make sense to me, giving God thanks. It says it in all circumstances, and here they celebrate. 42 is what I was telling you about. Day after day, in the temple courts, and from house to house, they never stopped teaching and proclaiming the good news of Jesus. In good times and in bad, they thank God. In good times and in bad, they proclaim the gospel. In good times and in bad, they believed Jesus. Like the psalmist wrote today, I cried out to you and you heard me. They believed the gospel and they celebrated it. We are called to give thanks in hard times also. Not just good times. Not whenever it's, you know, huzzah. I mean that for real. Like, woohoo, good stuff. But whenever you're like this, and you go, thanks for the cup, and you drink it anyway. Right? Nobody's died from a little dirty water, have they? <laughs> no, nobody's died from dirty water. Thanks, God. I want to share this verse with you again. We talked about it earlier. Be joyful always. Pray continually. Give thanks to God in all circumstances because this is God's will for you, God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Now, we've kind of illustrated two, two times we give God thanks in the good times and the bad times and all the times in between, but there's one other thing that I want to encourage you today to be thankful when you can be thankful for God, and that's when there's, you don't know what else to do, when you don't know what else to do. And this is going to come from uh, Philippians um, chapter 4. You can turn there if you would like to. Philippians is a great read. Um, i got to find that one again, too. Philippians 4. It's a really short book, and you can check it out. I would encourage you to read it if you've not read it before. But we're just going to hear a few words, uh, a few verses from it. Chapter 4, verses 6 and 7. Paul writes, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. I think this is key because he says, present it in prayer, and it's a verse we talk about with prayer, but it says, prayer with thanksgiving to God. But look at the way it starts. It says, don't be anxious. When are we anxious in life? We're anxious when we don't know if it's good or bad. We're anxious when we don't know what the outcome is going to be. We're anxious when we're afraid of what's coming next. And here, the, the, the encouragement is, don't be anxious. But in everything, through prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, offer your requests to God. God, I thank you for what's happening in my life right now. I thank you that I don't exactly know what's going on. I thank you that I'm concerned about my kids. I thank you that I'm concerned about my job or I'm concerned about my future. I'm concerned about my family. I thank you that I'm worried about this week. I thank you for all these things. Help me see your way through this. Show me what you'd have me to do as your servant. Give thanks to God in all circumstances. So we got good, we got bad, and we got everything in the middle, even the times that we don't know what it is. 
We're still called to give God thanks. Philippians is a great read. I can't encourage you enough to check it out. Give thanks all the time. Give thanks for everything. I want to go back to one other verse we talked about earlier, and we're going to wrap up. This is, we read this earlier from Romans, and it comes from Romans 8, 28. And it says, we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him. And we heard that, that God works for good in our lives. That's what he's doing is good stuff. But I want you to notice that before it says that he works for good, it says he works for good in all things, in all things. And what that means for you and me practically is it means he's working for good in us when it feels bad. He's working for good in us when it feels like struggle, when it feels like pain, when it feels like flogging, when it feels like humiliation. He's working for the good of his people. We know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. In everything, God is working on our behalf. And that's something that we have to understand. It doesn't say that in all good things, God is working for the good. It says in everything. That means whatever it is. And it includes times of anxiety if we run to Jesus. We don't know. He's working for our good in those moments. In everything, we're to give thanks. And he's always working for our good, even when, and maybe even especially when, we can't see it. We can't see the work that he's doing. I want to give you a a word of warning then. This is from Romans 8. But I want to tell you, because some of you maybe don't, thank God. Maybe what I said to you earlier about, do you thank God for the good things? You're like, you know, I don't really think about God in the good times. I just, I don't think to say thanks to him. Maybe you thank God in the good times, but you don't thank God in the bad times. Or maybe you thank God in the good times and the bad times, but when you're confused, you don't know what to do. You just take your best guess and you thank God later, you know, for the result. But there's a warning that comes at the beginning of the book of Romans, and I want to share it with you. And I think it kind of gets lost because of what's around it in the passage. But this is going to come from Romans uh, 1, verses uh, 20 and 21. 21 we're going to read. This is what it says. Because although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God or gave thanks to him, but their, fuel, their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. Although they claimed to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of God, of of the immortal God, for images made to look like God and men and birds and animals. Right? There's two indictments that Paul says that demonstrates a breaking down of our heart and our mind. And it's to not recognize God as God and to not give thanks to God as God. So I want to sit on this a minute. That means that if you and I have a tendency to not give God thanks, it's a demonstration that our heart and our minds are not bent the way God would have them. Is that what it says? Although they knew God, I'm going to go back now, they neither identified him as God nor gave him thanks, but their Thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. 
That's the result of not thanking God in your life. We spiral into that. And maybe you're there. I think the reverse of that text is prescriptive if you're there. Do you find yourself futile in your thinking? Do you find your heart getting darker, not lighter? Give thanks to God. Recognize his sovereignty in your life. I think it's a pretty serious warning, and it's very much about God allowing us to pursue our own ends and ignoring him, which is a tragedy in this life. So, this week as we enter into a time that our entire culture is talking about giving thanks. The question is, are we going to be the kind of people who are grateful? Grateful all the time for everything. Everything. And like, you know, not just uh, caveat our thankfulness. Say Thanks. For it. Thanks for the cold weather. Thanks for the rushing around. Thanks for the, you know, Black Friday shopping on Thanksgiving Thursday. <laughs> Thanks for a culture who's gone completely crazy. I don't know. Just thank God for all of it. Thank you, Father, for the work you're doing. I would encourage you this week to give thanks to God. Please pray with me if you would. Uh, Father, we come into your world and we don't um, earn it and we don't deserve it and you give it to us. And we come to know your, save, your son as our savior and we don't deserve it and we don't earn it, but you give it to us. And you continually give us good things and you continually give us hard things. And today we want to learn to be thankful for all of it. We give you thanks and praise today for the good work you're doing, even whenever life is hard for us. We pray, Father God, that uh, you would help us in our anxious moments to give thankful hearts to you, that we would return to you. And we, we stand in awe of the cross and the work that Jesus did on our behalf, and we give you thanks and praise for that today. Pray, Father, that you would change our hearts that we could really celebrate you this season, that we could really bring glory to your name, and that we could be thankful, grateful, filled with grace because of the work that you've done among us. You are so good. All the songs, all the psalms, all the words and all the universe could not say enough of how good you are. May your glory we return to you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.